And now, The Road. We are back. Welcome to The Ropes. I'm Rafe Bartholomew from Grantland.com. I am here with ESPN's Brian Campbell, who is just a bow tie short of being a PBC opponent, doing his dance. Brian, what's up? Dude, I'm ready. I got so much trouble on my mind. I'm thinking Mayweather Birdo getting on a plane pretty soon to head over there. It's fight week, dude. You know, this may not be the fight that we signed up for as uh, as Floyd watchers and admirers, but this is going to be something. Well, and we're going to talk about this. I think it, it's sort of fun to, to be there and cover the, the weirder fights, the ones that come out of nowhere and, and aren't the ones that everyone is watching because those have the chance to surprise us a little bit. But before we get into all that, uh, we got a great show headed coming up. Uh, Mayweather Berto, like you just said, we're going to be talking to Steve Farhood from PBC and Showtime uh, to talk about Floyd's legacy and break down the fight a little bit and go over as much of the rest of this crazy boxing weekend as we can. Um, and to your point, I will be actually on the uh, PBC undercard in Toronto on Friday. They're, they got me in there against uh, Razor Ruddock. It oh. should be a, in, in a three in a three rounder. It should did, be good. Did they find you at a at a Chippendales event? Was it during your were you moonlighting and they they caught you there? Well, Phil, Phil Lo Greco and I were gonna we're gonna take a <laughs> shift together, and then they were like, "No, don't worry, Quillen's opponent. He's got that. He's got that covered." Are but, you uh, bringing in someone? to do your extensions uh no no absolutely not right. uh just just the bow tie just the tuxedo briefs from spilka exactly with with the i'm wearing cuffs so i mean it's going to be very swayze farley-esque it's going to be fantastic you know <laughs> not shaving the belly if that's where you're going hey let's move on to box ao right let's do it um well before we get into mayweather burdo because that's going to be pretty much our entire show today i wanted to jump back to one news item from last week which was the split between timothy bradley and his trainer joel or joel diaz i wrote Joel Ortiz, who's a rapper on my uh, on my rundown here. Joel Diaz, uh, they've been together for Bradley's entire career. Uh, how big a deal is this, man? Hashtag didn't see this coming, Rafe. I thought this was a very big deal. Not to mention the the old, the soap opera element behind it, you know, with uh m- with Tim Bradley's wife Monica taking over as his manager, and there's sort of that back and forth with Joel thinking that she forced him him out. All that I don't, you know, I don't really want to get into that. More about what this actually means for Tim. Very shocked because he's at an interesting point in his career, you know, where he's into the second half of his career, but still has a lot of life left. We see him in a lot of action fights though, and that's the problem. So to go away from a trainer who's been there since day one, who has always seemed to kind of trying to pull back and and try to tell Tim to stay away from those type of fights. It's interesting where he's going forward because the big story here, Rafe, is of who the potential replacement trainers are. The one name that's leaping (laughs) off the page to any boxing fan, especially an ESPN boxing fan, is Teddy Atlas. Rafe, what is your reaction to this slice of awesomeness? Look, I mean, I I would be very afraid of, of coming back to the corner after round one against Ruslan Provodnikov and have Teddy Atlas in there singing about put the lime in the coconut <laughs> or talk, just doing the against who rant. He's uh, got a hot dog hanging out yeah. of his mouth. It's going to be great. <laughs> I mean, that, that wild card element is not something I would really want to go into. Um, and beyond that, I, I, the thing I don't understand about that 
uh, about Teddy or some of the other trainers they've named. The uh, one of the complaints that Tim said Timothy Bradley said he had about you know what had gone wrong between him and Diaz is that Diaz was leaving their camp to go train to to go work the corner in some of his other fighters you know events for a weekend or something. Oh, now, that's when you get big time. That's what happened okay, to your guy Freddie. Yeah, well, it happens to it happens to and if you have a major trainer, they tend to have other fighters who they work hey, with, right? That's why Vonis left Freddie. Remember hey, that, all, all right? right? All you trainers out there, remember that, okay? <laughs> Look, we're we're we we're, we're going to get into the Marty Brosian life in a minute, but before yeah. Um, you know, the thing is Joel Diaz lives in, you know, out in the Coachella Valley with where Tim Bradley lives. There aren't a lot of boxing trainers on that level who are out there. I guess there's some of the guys in Riverside who train, uh, who train, um, you know, the, uh, the Riverside Ariola and, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, Josecito Lopez. But I mean, they, that is the guy who is closest to where Tim Bradley is based, who is his lifelong trainer, who can do the best job with him. Why is Teddy Atlas, who has all these other jobs, going to be a more devoted trainer if someone he's going to fly in? I yeah. don't, is Teddy even willing to stay in the Coachella Valley for more than a week? Dude, I don't know. Look, there's two sides to this Teddy Atlas thing. One side is, this is awesome. This is great TV. If we could get the HBO 24-7 cameras one time, one, give me one time, Rafe. Come on. Wyclef, get get Wyclef on there. Come on, one time to get him there. This would be amazing TV with his dad, with Tim's dad, Big Ray, as we talk about a lot in the background. So from a uh, from a meme internet standpoint, as you like to say, it's fantastic. All right, you you sold me the idea of a of a Big but, Ray versus Teddy clash at oh some point God. in time. That would it, uh, they're jawing each other. Even just, if it is the worst thing that ever happened to Tim Bradley's career, I might be able to. I might be willing to this give is, up on that. For, but the reason why this moment. doesn't make sense is because this is the worst thing that could happen to Tim's career. Because what is Teddy great at as a trainer that we've seen? You know, when he led Michael Moore to the title and literally willed him to it, or when he took a passive but very amateur skilled Alexander Povetkin and tried to you know rattle him up. It's getting a guy who can't motivate himself to go for it to act out and get out of their shell, believe in themselves, fight like a maniac, sit on the stool and get and then make them stand and get in their face. Tim Bradley's a guy right now who does not need that. In fact, he probably needs he a trainer never to say that. Yeah. Never needed that. Instead, he probably you know he probably needs a trainer who says, "Dude, you don't have to brawl like this, brah." I don't think Teddy's that trainer. Tim has too much intensity. Teddy is intensity. It'll be a beautiful, beautiful disaster. I mean, you know, riding down the street one day, we'll get three eleven involved. It'll be fantastic. But I don't know if we need this little bit of nostalgia. To, uh, How mix scary it. is this uh, going into the recently announced fight uh, with? Brandon Rios, oh, what, early November, November 7th, Tim Bradley and Rios. I mean, that's – it could be a great fight. It could be a really exciting fight. I mean, those guys – two guys with, with great chins and wills and, and, uh, and, you know, just guys who love to fight. But – also, guys who just this. have been in so many nasty, nasty, heavy, heavy-duty fights recently that like they're just sort of chewing them up against each other. I feel bad for this small, limited pool See, at, at HBO. Every time somebody on Twitter and in a chat's like, "Hey, how would you love Provodnikov against this guy, or Rios against this guy, or Rios Provodnikov? How could you not be shadow boxing?" Because I'm sick of seeing action fighters do nothing but action fights, and I never thought I'd actually say that out loud. But it seems like we're just trying to take the two toughest guys every, you know, and just constantly match them together on the top rank side because there's nobody else. Sometimes I'd like to see you know a little bit of a break in that action. By the way, Bradley.
Dudley Real so much potential. I think it'd be a great fight, but I had that same sort of feeling. What was like, you know, oh, we're just we're just matching up to make action, right? I mean, I guess that's the that that's what we that's what fans love, though. So well, maybe I should just exactly shut my mouth. Exactly precisely know? the kind of fight where, it, at least from what we've seen in the past, Joel Diaz, it would help to have him there to tell Bradley, Yo, Tim, chill out. Box this guy and win. You don't have to go in and and you know put your your balls on the on the in the ring floor and compare them to Brandon <laughs> Rios's and see who's is bigger. You know, I mean, because both guys are down for that. I think we we've seen that in the way they fight. We've uh, seen their package. Yeah, Bradley we, can it, pro- <laughs> Bradley can probably outbox him. All right, man. Is it you want to say anything else on this, or should we just move straight into Mayweather? Well, real quick, if you're going to pick a responsible trainer, but a big name one, I think Tim needs a big name one. Who are you going to pick? Oh, um. Big name, responsible trainer. Uh, for that fits his style because I want to say Joe Goosen. You know, I want to I want to see uh, Canadian tuxedos all over the team. There, I want to see Big Ray in a Canadian tuxedo, but that's not the right fit either. I don't think. Who knows? No, um, maybe I don't. I don't have a good answer. I mean, I I, I, remember, I saw Joel Diaz on Fight Hype saying that he just said let Big Ray, you know, let the father train him, get him into oh, shape, yeah, and Big Ray. Tim knows how to fight. Let Tim fight it for himself. That might be the best answer. That's actually probably the, that's probably the worst answer. If I talked that Teddy was a little bit too much of a motivator, dude, Big Ray's going to probably put Tim in there at heavyweight. I mean, but hey, moving on, right? Yeah. Mayweather Berto, how bad is this matchup, Brian? Wow. Hey, that's a good transition. Look, uh, Saturday night, pay per view, showtime, of course. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern in Las Vegas in Floyd's home court there of, of the MGM Grand. It's bad. I mean, look, opening up as sort of a 100 to 1 underdog, which Berto did is absurd. Even the 40 to 1 or 35 to 1. In reality, that's not an accurate snapshot of what this fight is. But to come off of the, you know, the Pacquiao fight and all that came with that, and you know that this is the sixth and final fight of Floyd's Showtime deal. You know that there's whispers that we might not believe that's his last fight, but whatever. This is a big opportunity, especially after you bring so many fans to the table for Mayweather Pacquiao and you make them pay $100 for a fight they didn't even enjoy. And now you're coming back and you're putting a really bad, let's be honest, a really bad fight on pay-per-view. You're charging $74.95. If they would have charged $29.99 and said, hey, look, we're not doing this on CBS for whatever reasons. And the rumor was, by the way, that Floyd was at the last minute said, no, I'm taking my guaranteed money and I'm not. But here's a $30 gimme to watch the best fight in the world. No, it's $74.95. This is a, this is, you know, a bad matchup. But at the same time, Rafe, it's so, Garcia Salka like that I'm a little fired up for it. I mean, is that I mean, is that just sort of the uh, the runoff from when you're this deep into boxing? You just sort of ah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's part of the part of our DNA. You know, I mean, when you when you that's sort of the the litmus test for how sick of a boxing fan you are is that you're, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see this train wreck. You know, well, how is how is this going to blow up even and be even worse than I expect it to be? Uh, and in that in that regard, Garcia Salca lived up to all expectations. I don't know if this one, I'm pretty, I, I don't think that this will turn out as ugly uh, as that one did. Although you never know. I mean, uh, if, if, if Andre Berto's face starts puffing up, it could get ugly fast. Well, it's obviously from an entertainment Potential, it's, you know, Berto's a much better opponent than, than a lot of the, than a lot of guys you could have picked just in the, just on the potential for pure entertainment. And that's entertainment of the buildup. And he's been, 
I think he's been a little underwhelming in sort of the all access and the build up. I thought he was going to be a little more funny and show that personality. But in the fact that he makes, he's, he's vulnerable. He fights. He brawls. He's going to make a fun fight. But it's just obviously he's not deserving. That's the biggest point. You know, three and three in his last six fights. At 31, clearly on the other side of his prime. He's battled injuries. He hasn't really beaten anyone of note to, to earn this. That's what really makes it, makes it a, uh, I guess just a bad fight, if that's what you're going to say it. But Rafe, I was really, there was so much build up for Garcia Salka and so much negativity, so much jokes, so much stories written that I actually walked in that arena pretty excited because it was just like a bizarre event to be at. And you and I are both going to be there on Saturday covering this fight. And, uh, it's, I got those same feelings again and I'm not going to hide them. And, yeah, and that's just I'm, the way it is. I'm eager to see how, how the MGM, Gar- you know, Grand Garden Arena looks. If they, if they were able to like move whatever last tickets they can't sell. Oh, they're trying to get, away. I'm getting know. emails. So, you getting I mean, those emails too? Is it, I, I have, I, look, I'm not on that high roller list yet. Yeah, M Life, live it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, is is basically the the, the the quality of the fight the biggest factor in uh, in the quiet reception that has been? Is it has has it been the the quick the the sort of the late announcement? The fact that they haven't really done much to build it up? Is it backlash because of the Floyd and Manny fight in May that everyone kind of uh, crapped on? Uh, yeah, after it, D- after took a doodle. What is, yeah. yeah, what is the uh, drop business on? What's the biggest issue here, and why nobody really seems to care? Uh, it's a it's all of the above. Uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of all. Uh, the late announcement, I think, it has killed the buzz completely because, you know, it, what are they, it's a, a little more than a month ago it was announced. So there's just no buildup to it. I mean, if you're reading ESPN.com, Darren Ravella had a story yesterday that the tickets are just not moving. This is, has all the potential to be a huge dud. But I think why the fans are shooting this down so badly is just sort of... It, it's a culmination of who Floyd is and the reputation he's built up. You know, it started off by being sort of the villain and talking trash about opponents, and that's why you paid the price to watch his fights, to try to see him lose. And then it was, hey, I'm not fighting the guys that you want me to fight. And then you go all the way and finally make that Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and guys like you and me are trying to talk ourselves into it, and you're like, yeah, it's five years too late, but it has all this potential, and then it didn't live up to it. And by the way, I think a great percentage of why it didn't live up to it is Pacquiao's fight. And we've talked about that before. So I don't think Floyd should get all the blame, but he will get all the blame because he's the villain. So when it's this last fight of the six fight deal, I think the arrogance of, of him coming back and actually trying this, especially when they could have gone the CBS free TV route, which would have won back a lot of goodwill, Rafe, has really put this in a bad spot where the, the tickets are not moving on the inside. The people are, you know, there's really no buzz anywhere. And now it's you're the gonna, first weekend of the NFL season. Nobody cares. Like so exactly, you cannot make anyone you know. Yeah, look it's twice Mexican at this. Independence, you know, weekend. And if you had, you know, if this would have been done, and even though they did go the route of a good undercard, the, you know, there was the potential to launch a big fight here to really make people care. Floyd didn't do that. So the big question everybody wants to know is how is this going to affect the pay per view numbers? In your mind, Rafe, uh, where is this going? I think it's going to be bad. I think I think we're sub five hundred thousand. I mean, you know, we're this this we might not be looking. At uh, at Mosley Mayorga two numbers, uh, whatever <laughs> hey, those numbers hey, might be. Shane's gonna come after you on Twitter. He's coming at right now. He's typing. I'm, I want to come at me, Shane. And by I Shane, meet, I mean I Shane's wanna, girlfriend. I want to meet Tito. I want to meet Tito the monkey. Give him, bring it on. I think um, you want to go to Shane Junior's barbershop. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, I need to get a cut before I hit Vegas. Um, but um. You know, I think it's going to be low. I think it could be like you know, a, one of a, a, an early Canelo pay per view, three hundred thousand or something. I, Latin I, Fury is this where you're going with this? Yeah, Pinoy Pride, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> believe that. Uh, um, 
I, I agree with you. And, and by the way, I want to come out here and say that I was wrong. In the beginning after this fight was signed, next few weeks on Twitter, on my chat, I was predicting in that six 700 range. I'm saying, look, Floyd's name, this is going to prove the power of Floyd's name, that he can fight anybody. I'm starting to really realize that it's not. It's really going to sell badly. I think it's really going to go sub five, you know, in that four to five, sort of like you mentioned. We saw that, of course, when Manny stepped down and fought the Brandon Rios and, and Chris Algieri levels when he was doing the pay-per-views from Macau. His numbers dropped considerably. Obviously, he was in a different spot in his career than Floyd with the with the unbeaten record. But I think they missed an opportunity to sell more, even with this opponent. And it all goes down to the fact that Floyd and Leonard Ellerby constantly saying every time they're asked the last few weeks, Will this be your last fight, Floyd? They're saying yes. Nobody believes that, Rafe, whether Floyd comes back six months from now or a year from now. I, you know, No one believes it. But I think Showtime and Floyd together missed the boat on not going all in on saying it that, it that it is his last fight. Floyd says it every time he's asked. But the marketing around this has not been the last hurrah, the last waltz, whatever. You know, That's probably because they want to bid on his next fight. But, you know, there's probably a lot of backroom business reasons why it hasn't. But if they had gone all in, and if when you're turning on SportsCenter, the narrative was completely about Floyd's last hurrah, rather than just a footnote of, hey, do you think this might actually be his last hurrah? I think you could have squeezed and, and done the, done the, the, uh, bait and switch like, like a lot of boxing promoters have done, as you talked about last week. Say a lot of crazy stuff and lie, and you can sell things. Mm-hmm. I think if they said a lot of crazy stuff and lied here, they could have pushed it up into that category, and it wouldn't have mattered who we bought, because to get, large numbers of pay-per-view buys, you need to dip into the casual audience and the casual audience will agree with whatever story you're trying to tell them because they don't know better. So I think they missed out in this regard and I think that's also why there's no way I believe that this is Floyd's last fight because if it was, they would have gone more on the promotion and obviously Floyd there's so much more on the table to Floyd I don't care if he made you know 400 million or whatever it was for the Pacquiao fight this guy loves money loves setting records he's still number one at age 38 gonna be 39 in February he's coming back I know this you know this so yeah I feel you man like what the the big thing is how are you gonna do have a last hurrah and then tell people yeah for my last hurrah I'm gonna fight Andre Berto who is you know exactly in, in bad vis- visible decline in, in what does that fights. say to the fan uh, that, and that's the thing and no, you, no one would buy that is the thing and, and no one has bought it and that's why no one is buying the, the fight uh, you know for, on pay-per-view and not many people are buying the tickets to go see the fight I don't think though we can talk about pay-per-view buys until we get that final number for Mayweather Guerrero <laughs> I know yeah, Geraldo's looking into I'm, it. You I'm, know, I'm hitting up Glazer, but he's just not. He's just not the <laughs> oh, the guy, Ricky, Ricky G. Yeah, but okay, yeah. so so we're saying that this is not Floyd's last fight, uh, and and we've talked about his legacy in the past. We're going to talk about it more uh, in a couple minutes when we bring Steve Farhood on. Be- before that, what if he does have one more fight or or a few more fights? What does Floyd have to do to sort of improve his legacy from here? And now we know that that isn't necessarily really the way he manages his career, but let's just pretend it is. And he 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 does want in his last fight or fights to improve his legacy. What does he need to do? Does he need to fight Gennady Golovkin at 154 pounds? Does he need to fight for five more years and sort of take on all comers? What what do you what do you, what would you say he needs to do? To me, his legacy is messy because it's it's part of it is you know the the, the numbers and all the the ridiculousness of being the, the highest paid athlete mixed with the longevity, which I don't think he gets enough respect for. You know, he's going to be thirty nine. He's still number one and unbeaten. Mixed with the negative side about how people didn't you know he didn't fight didn't fight people when he when he wanted him to the exact timing, all of that. What can he do to improve that right now rather than go back in time? You know, and, and fight those some of those guys or 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 be a little bit more. 
fan friendly in the decisions. I think he could make leaps and bounds. And I've gotten to a lot of arguments on Twitter about this by fighting a Golovkin type fight for his 50th by moving up to middleweight, which I've asked him to do for a long time. Even if it's at a 154 catch weight, even if it's against a smaller or smallish middleweight by doing that and doing the kind of things that the guys before him have done, I think that he has the opportunity to make a big leap. And if you're a guy like me who has him sort of at the tail end of your top 20, I think if he moved up and fought Golovkin, who's the current boogeyman, undefeated, mm-hmm. a guy with size and a huge strength advantage, but not just, not just a slugger, obviously, a real fighter, this has Leonard Hagler-esque feels to it. And if he won that fight and won the middleweight title against the the number one middleweight, it's not the, the lineal fight, but against the number one guy, he's top 10 material right there because that's sort of been the missing link to his career. Yes, he gets full credit for beating, not full credit, he gets the credit for beating Pacquiao after finally fighting him, but I don't think, I think a lot of people are still going to, in history, look back and say, well, yeah, you fought him too late, you didn't fight this guy. That, that's still fresh and, and pure in people's minds. I think that's still going to mean something to his legacy. To erase that, it does take a Golovkin fight, or to, to go a little softer, face the winner of Cotto Canelo no. in a rematch. No, I, I say no right there. I'm with, I'm with you almost all the way with Golovkin. I, I really am. I think that that is a, some, a kind of statement that people would just be like, damn, that is amazing. He went up and beat that guy. Um, but if he just co- takes on the winner of two guys he already beat who aren't middleweights and won't be fighting at the middleweight limit, no. I mean, I know he would fight. Golovkin would come down. But these are two guys who who just are masquerading as middleweights because because they lifted True. a belt off of a cripple. Like, you know. Yes, but you can only asterisk so much. No, like no, at no. some point that, you got to say my, I, that well, that is that is a very that like is you're the asterisk. Right, but you're 100% right, but I'm saying you can only put asterisks so much. And this sort of like this is sort of the other side of the debate. Like we give Floyd heck because what is it? Because he didn't fight who he wanted us to, or is it deep inside he didn't find out how good he actually could be? And a lot of us, you know, that was watching his career from the beginning was like, wow, this could be the guy. I could be watching my own version of an Ali. And I think that's part of the anger at times when people, you saw a guy just not do it the way that the old guys had done it, you know, to keep, keep daring to be great, keep matching yourself. He's done it so hand calculated. But are we so focused on the hand calculated part and all of that goes with that, that we're missing elements of his true legacy and not giving him the full credit rave look i i'm i i consider myself still a, a floyd fan i think that he's the best fighter of his generation i think that he he passes every for me he, even with the, the things that are disappointing about the way he's managed his career he passes the tests to 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 earn that title he has always looked like the best fighter he has always performed like the best fighter um you know the 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 one thing that he could do at this point that would make me think that he's even greater than than i already believe him to be would be to fight and beat Gennady Golovkin. Nothing else that I can think of that he could do, save be going into like a an undefeated Bernard Hopkins streak for the next decade, uh, would would what, really beating one be, welterweight after another. Well, that that would still be pretty. I mean, if he did it until he was fifty, I mean, that would be pretty oh, that'd crazy. be ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, the Golovkin thing is what really gets the gets the juices flowing for me. If, and I don't think that he will do it for all kinds of reasons. Uh, many of them probably uh, legitimate, but that's the thing that would just blow my mind. Nothing else would, and that's what uh, that's that's why it would have the biggest uh, impact well, on on what I think of his legacy. Look, let's 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 give let's get Farhood on the on the on the horn here, my man, and uh, and talk to a guy who has a, a real deep historical knowledge and can and can really talk about Floyd Mayweather and his legacy and and this fight that's coming up. 
Now stepping through the ropes to help us preview Saturday's Floyd Mayweather, Andre Berto pay-per-view from Las Vegas. It's Showtime announcer, scorekeeper, expert. I mean, he really, he's really the man. He really handles it all here. We're talking about the great Steve Farhood. Steve, welcome to the ropes, my man. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Just got to Vegas a little while ago and ready to go. Steve, of course, uh, you'll be there. You'll be on, you know, with the team on the call. This was a fight that we're not going to paint a, paint an inaccurate picture. This, of course, wasn't the Floyd fight that that most fans would have wanted in this spot. This is his last fight on the landmark six fight Showtime deal, facing the former two time titleist in, in Andre Berto. But Steve, I want to get your what was your genuine opinion when you found out Floyd was going in this direction for this fight? You know, actually, I, I'm not right that often, but. There was part of me all along that thought Berto might be the guy. <laughs> and, you know, coming off the Pacquiao fight, uh, the last fight of the deal, I, I, Berto's always been, you know, uh, very, very tight with, with Al Heyman, obviously. Uh, I always thought Berto was, was a, was, it, it just seemed like Floyd didn't want to fight Amir Khan. That's the guy that I've always wanted to see Floyd fight the most. Agreed. Um, I'm of the opinion that, you know, that, that Floyd Khan would give Floyd a lot of trouble. Um, but it's pretty clear by now, Floyd has turned Khan down about 63 times. <laughs> they didn't, didn't want to fight him. So with Khan out of the picture, I think Thurman might have been considered at this point, you know, a little bit too maybe high-risk, low-reward kind of thing. And uh, and Danny Garcia perhaps not ready yet. So it didn't shock me, you know, um, that, that, that uh, Berto got the call. You know, the fan reaction was, was almost like the nerve of Floyd, the arrogance of Floyd. How could you do this? How much do you think, though, like the guaranteed money came into play, you know, with the power that he has coming off of selling so many pay-per-views, bringing so much money to the table against Pacquiao? How much do you think the guaranteed money played into this decision for him? Well, I think the guaranteed money played into the decision very largely in terms of where the fight airs. Um, I think everybody would have liked to see maybe the fight on free TV. Um, we all like fights on free TV, obviously, um, <laughs> but that wasn't going to happen because there wasn't adequate time to sell advertising. And even if you did sell advertising, you're going to sell enough to take Floyd his guarantee. So that was that was an issue, I think, with uh, you know with the uh, with the the network that was chosen, and as a result, the fights on pay per view, and people will will pay for it. But you know, look, Berto is not necessarily who everybody would have chosen as the first choice. Obviously, that that's a given, but. Expectations have a lot to do with how you see a fight. And the expectations for Manny Floyd were very high. You know, this was the biggest fight in history, blah, 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 blah. Turns out it wasn't that good a fight. Expectations are very low for this fight. And Andre Berto, while he may be nowhere near the level of Floyd Mayweather, tends to make kind of exciting fights. And can he do that against a fighter as good as Floyd? Obviously, that remains to be seen. But when expectations are low, if we get a decent fight, it's going to seem that much better. Right. So, Steve, uh, you know, Vegas, the fans, people are basically approaching this as a mismatch with, I think, uh, we'd probably agree, good cause given what we know and what we've seen. Um, but do you see anything that Berto can do, so, sort of a, a style that has worked against or a, t- a tactic that has worked against Floyd in the past that, that he could adopt and maybe give Floyd uh, some trouble and sort of, like you said, beat the expectations for the fight, whether it be something like Maidana's brawling or, or the way Shane Mosley's sort of stalked him and managed to land a, a couple good punches early in the fight, uh, Oscar's jab, something that, that Berto might be able to incorporate to, to, to you know, make this fight beat the low expectations. Yeah, or at least be, could be interesting and competitive. Sure. Yeah, I, I do think, I, I heard a quote from Virgil Hunter, Berto's trainer, that was really interesting. 
and this was a good month ago. This is when the fight was first announced or shortly after. He said something to the effect of, I don't want Andre thinking in there. And that was really interesting because basically what Virgil was saying is, if you think in there, you're not going to outthink the, the best thinker in boxing. You're not going to outthink Floyd. So it's a way of saying, fight more like Maidana than like Canelo. You know, let your hands go. Attack. Be physical. Berto is a short guy. He's not going to outflick Floyd. We know that. If he fights, fights him from any kind of distance, he has no shot at all. He won't win a round. So if he just lets, becomes real physical, kind of the way he fought Guerrero. The problem is, of course, Guerrero beat him in his own game in that fight. But if he fights a physical fight, tries to move Floyd to the ropes, and doesn't worry too much about what he does to get inside, then I think he has a better chance. So Virgil's idea of don't think kind of makes sense a little bit. Steve, do you think that is possible? I mean, almost like the we've seen so many opponents come up against Floyd, and, and it seems like right away he's making them think. I mean, Maidana may be the only guy who comes to mind, especially in recent years, who who really has been able to execute a game plan like that. How does anyone even do that against Floyd? Yeah, well, for, for one thing, and this may be very hard for Andre Berto, who has a very good amateur background and, you know, was a top-level guy, you, you can't worry too much about getting hit. Right. And that's a problem, because good fighters, you know, we know that when good fighters aren't moving their hands, the reason is usually because when they move their hands, they're getting hit. Mm-hmm. And good fighters don't like to get hit. So it's almost like you're reprogramming your, your the mental side of your game to say, I'm going to get hit. I'm going to get hit some. I'm going to get counted by that great right hand. But if I can fight the fight on my terms and at a distance that suits me, I'm willing to take those punches to get inside so I can land some body shots, so I can maybe throw an elbow, so I can land a little blow, whatever it is, the uglier the better for Berto. Um, he may have to reprogram himself to do that because if he just fights another boxing match and tries to use his speed, which is good, um, he's not going to beat Floyd. He's not going to be competitive with Floyd. So I see nothing, kind of like nothing to lose attitude. Steve, we're going to get into sort of the whole Floyd legacy thing in a minute, but I did mention earlier this, of course, was the the last of the six-fight landmark deals Floyd signed with Showtime in 2013. I think it's interesting because at that point we weren't really sure if he was going to complete the six fights. You know, up there in his 30s, every fight you were sort of waiting, this might be the one he gets old, this might be the one he gets old. Well, he's not getting old anytime soon. He's looked good throughout the six. But from the six fights that have been signed, I'm not asking you from the perspective of Showtime, but from the perspective of a fan, how would you sort of grade the six fights he gave the fans after all the hullabaloo that came with this big deal? Well, in terms of, of uh, action, uh, obviously this isn't Arturo Gatti in there, okay? So with the exception of the Maidana fight, there wasn't a lot of action. That was not a surprise to us, those of us who are familiar with Floyd's game. In terms of the quality of the opposition, I, I think you have to give him a decent grade. He fought, he fought Canelo at a young age when Canelo's a young, hungry fighter, and he fought Danny. And whether that was a 100% Manny or not, and whether that fight came too late or not is a different story, but he did fight him. When that fight easily could have not been made, as it hadn't been made for five years. So, while the opposition, I give him a decent grade. I mean, Guerrero was a live fighter when he fought him. Uh, Berto may be the, the weakest of the six. Uh, um, but I, I think he's, you know, the fact that he did fight all six on schedule, I think surprised a lot of us. It sounds like it surprised you, and I, I think it surprised all of us. Absolutely. I mean, and of course, it surprised me at how how well he's preserving himself. I mean, you talk so much about the the legacy of who you fight, who you didn't fight with Floyd. There's that whole other legacy with the financials, but there's that side to his legacy legacy that's simply built on longevity. Which I sort of want to ask you: How unique do you think this is? What he's able to do 
closing in on 39, still pound for pound number one, not even a question. You know, there's, it's not like he's in the mix. He's number one with a bullet as he's closing in on 39. From what you've seen in, in your long career, how unique is that part of his legacy by itself? I think that's what, that's much more impressive than 49 and 0 to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he's been a rated fighter, top 10 since what, his 12th, 13th fight as a pro. Um, he's maintained this level against in many divisions, several divisions, starting at junior lightweight, all the way up to junior middleweight at times. Um, yeah, to me, that's more impressive than anything. The length of the reign, and and one other factor that also to me is much more impressive than 49 and 0, which is just a number, um, is the fact that. If you take away the first Castillo fight, you take away the La Jolla fight, and you take away the first Maidana fight, how many tough fights has he been in? That's if you, if you look at all the great ones, they all have some fights. The recent great ones, let's say, they all have some fights where eh, maybe they got the decision, maybe it was a draw, you know, whatever. I mean, it hasn't happened with Mayweather. To me, the 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 uh, margin that he's beaten these these world class guys, championship level guys, at. Is, is very, very impressive because he's really only had three close fights since he's been a championship-level fighter, and that's remarkable. Yeah. Steve, I wanted to ask, you know, you mentioned a couple times already how, how the 49-0 isn't as impressive maybe as Floyd presents it to be, and that's sort of accepted among us, you know, really uh, devoted boxing fans. But for more casual listeners or, or younger fans who are getting into the sport, sort of explain why, uh, you know, Floyd – if he does retire after this fight or after another fight or two undefeated, still sort of doesn't live up to, doesn't, isn't going to be considered, you know, TBE the best ever. Why sort of the, in to boxing, you know, his people who know the sport uh, over the years, he wouldn't really ever crack that, that level of Sugar Ray Robinson and uh, Henry Armstrong. Sort of why, how, how, why is that? And then what's the reasonable range that, that Floyd would end up ranked in uh, you know, down the line? Well, it's a question, obviously, in recent time with Floyd saying that this is his last <laughs> right. fight that, that I've given a lot of thought to and, and I get asked a lot. Um, yeah, he... he one of the reasons the 49-0 is not that big a deal to me is because the fighter who set the record, at the time the only undefeated fighter, Marciano, right. uh, there have been several since, more than about a dozen champions have retired. When I say champions, you know what I mean, alphabet yeah. champions um, have retired unbeaten. But at the time, Marciano was the only one who did it. And what you have to keep in mind is that if you ask 20 boxing experts how they rate Marciano, just among heavyweights, he probably doesn't make the top five. Yeah. Maybe with some he does. But you're going to rate Lewis, you're going to rate Ali. Some people would put Dempsey, Jack Johnson, certainly. Larry Holmes, some people would put in there. So what did 49-0 do for Marciano? You know, now it's a little different with Floyd because he fought across several divisions. Marciano could only fight who was there at the heavyweight division. And as is common in the heavyweight division, there wasn't a lot for him to fight. If anything, he probably fought better fighters before he was a champion than after when he fought a lot of old men. So the 49-0 is not that significant. A number, especially now, you know, you have Calzaghe, who retired at 40 something, you know, you have Ricardo Lopez, he had one draw, but he was 51 0 and 1. Um, so the number itself doesn't mean much. Floyd's remarkable. I think he's not only a great fighter, I think he's an all time great, but he's done nothing wrong in terms of trying to establish where he fits in historically. It's the time, it's the time that he fights in that prevents him from ever becoming the best ever. He can't. He cannot be compared to Ray Robinson. He probably can't be compared to Henry Armstrong. The fighters of that era fought much more often. The talent was much deeper. Um, 
I, I did a graph of, of how many fights the average top fighter had for a decade. And, you know, in Ray Robinson's day in the 40s and the early 50s, it was, you know, they fought as many as 8, 10, 12 times in a year. Then it dropped down, and now we're down to two a year. Right. So it, it, there's only so much he can do in this era. And to me, that's what's blocking him from being the greatest of all time. Not the competition, not what he's done in the ring. He has no losses. He's done nothing wrong. It's the time. You know, Ray Robinson fought Jake Lamada twice in three weeks. Think about that. <laughs> Steve, I think that's an interesting point, that, that essentially you're saying, you know, you can have your bones with his matchmaking, whether he you know, fought Pacquiao five years too late, whatever, that there was a certain ceiling built in in this era in how he was going to be compared. But how much within what he was provided do you think he maximized? You know, what percentage did he go after? And I know you're always, you know, you can't fight everybody. Every fight can't be made. There's always going to be guys that just didn't work out. But, but how much would you, you know, you say, he does nothing wrong, but the, I think the general, the, the average fan does disagree with that to a certain degree. So, do you think he left anything on the table? Well, I mean, it, I'll put it this way: I've heard criticism. He never fought Antonio Margarito. If if that's the if that's the criticism, then I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying. Okay, because <laughs> Antonio Margarito is not a great fighter. He's much bigger than Floyd. It was a time maybe Paul Williams. You want to argue he should have fought? Um, but what people have to remember is a very simple fact, and many fighters pre-Floyd benefited from this same fact, which is that when it's good to be king, you know, when you're on top, you fight who you want, where you want, when you want. Ray Leonard did it, and Ray Leonard's the greatest fighter I've covered in 37 years. Uh, and you can argue that Ray Leonard's in the top 10 of all time. Yet, you know, how long was it before he gave Thomas Hearns a rematch? Did he ever give Marvin Hagler a rematch? No. Well, there was uh, an eye injury. You know, there was a little eye injury to deal with there, right? Or how, I mean, was that overblown? No, no, he had to retire, you know, but he did come back. Um, but he, he did fight who he wanted when he wanted. He fought Duran sure. the second time when he wanted, and that made all the difference. So when you're on top, you know, you pick and choose, and, and Floyd, from a business sense, of course, would have been stupid not to do that. He, he, he played the cards he was dealt. All right. So, Steve, I mean, a lot of people believe that even though Floyd is saying this is his last fight, he's going to retire at 49-0 and 0. if he wins, a lot of people believe that there will be another fight or more beyond that. Assuming that he does take another fight or two, what, uh, what opponents, what could he do to sort of put his legacy maybe into another uh, historical level, maybe not the very highest level, but maybe jump into the, the, the a top 10 all-time uh, or or so, or something of that level? I mean, would it be, you know, agreeing to face Gennady Golovkin at 154 pounds? Would it be sticking around until his early 40s to fight sort of the, the up-and-coming generation and, and managing to beat those guys too? I mean, what, what could he do to sort of to push himself to a whole other historical level? It's going to be very difficult for him to do that. Yeah. If, if he fights welterweight, um, he's not going to be able to improve his legacy by much. Uh, if he fights Gennady Golovkin, if he fights, you know, someone like that, I mean, if he fights Cotto for the middleweight title, now he's already beaten Cotto, obviously it wasn't a middleweight fight, but it, it would take something like that to push him a little further. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's not going to add to his legacy by the way he wins because he's not a puncher and he's not going to knock people out. You know, if he, if he did to, to Pacquiao in a rematch, what Juan Manuel Marquez did, mm -hmm. we, we all go, wow, that was something. But that's not Floyd. That's not what he's going to do. So I think short of fighting a Golovkin or someone like that out of his division, uh, which I don't think he really wants to do because I think he knows he's a small welterweight. Uh, I, don't, I don't really see him improving his legacy very much. And maybe that's one of the reasons, at least in his mind, he is saying that this is it. 
Steve, how much should his legacy be enhanced or affected by by how outrageously accomplished he is financially? I mean, putting on one big event after the other, just blowing the figures. I mean, you know, for his time, and I'm sure Sugar Ray Leonard's numbers still hold up in terms of what he made compared to, to, to what others were making at the time. But obviously, Floyd, compared to any other athlete, is on a whole new level. How much should that go into his all-time placement? I, I think in terms of rating him with other fighters, it's, it's relatively insignificant. Um, in terms of rating him as a, an icon and as a cultural force and as a sports figure, it's huge. Um, you know, fighters become legends in their time because they fit their time well. Uh, you know, that was the case with Ali in the 60s. Uh, that was the case with, with De La Hoya, I think. I think that was the case with Tyson. You know, they fit their time well, and, and Floyd fits this time well. He's made it his time. Uh, but I don't think that affects his, his legacy. He's, he's helped carry the sport. He and Manny basically have been all we've had in terms of with a, with a heavyweight division that's been more abundant. Um, they, they've, all, they, they've been all we've had, and they've been very different, um, but they've carried the sport for an awful lot of years, and that's wonderful. And that, that does affect how I view them, but not in terms of ranking. I don't think that's a big factor at all. Right. Steve, you, you just mentioned how Floyd and Manny have carried the sport, and and now with at least what PBC try, uh, appears to be trying to do uh, in its first year here, does it seem as if those two and Floyd may be sort of the last pay-per-view king in boxing? I mean, if, if PBC is moving towards a more free television or cable television model or, or a subscription thing down the line, uh, is it, uh, you know, they, they, and they're not pressing the, the superstars and the personalities quite on the same level. It's a little bit more tamped down. Is, is this sort of the end of, of this model that, that we saw, you know, from Tyson to De La Hoya to Floyd to Manny? Well, I, don't, I think economics will dictate that, and I think economics would tell you that there's an awful lot of money to be made, as we know, for everybody <laughs> yeah. when there's a big pay-per-view fight. Um, if there are fewer pay-per-view fights, that might make the pay-per-view fight, if they're legitimate fight, um, that much bigger. You know, I could see that happening as well. So I, I just think that, um, you know, having fights on free TV is great. And one of, one of the additional things that Floyd, who is a pay-per-view fighter, will benefit from if he indeed announces his retirement after this fight is he'll give he'll give time for some, you know, for the Keith Thurman, for argument's sake, uh, to, to emerge a little bit. Because right now, he's coming off a win over Manny Pacquiao, and that was the name. And there isn't any name that's even close to that. So it'll give time to, to weed things out. But I know this from, from the years I've spent boxing. Every time, you know, when Ali stopped fighting, when Tyson stopped fighting, when De La Hoya stopped fighting, everybody complains, hey, who's going to carry the sport now? Well, someone emerges. And, and sometimes it takes a few years. You know, and sometimes it doesn't. But someone usually emerges. And with boxing on, a lot of boxing on free TV now, that only increases the possibility of somebody coming along who does capture the public imagination and becomes, I don't want to say the next Mayweather, that's asking a lot, but you know what I mean, a, a major star. Steve, many years from now when you're uh, bouncing the grandkids on the knee, you're sitting on the couch, they're like, hey, you covered boxing. You were in the Floyd era. You were there start to finish. What's the one fight I should see that sums up who this guy is? Which fight are you pointing towards? Well, you know, they used to ask that all the time about Ali, and most people would say his greatest performance was when he beat Cleveland Williams in his first incarnation. I think you have to go back with Floyd also, and I think you have to look at the Chico Corrales fight. If I remember correctly, I know Corrales was undefeated, but if I remember correctly, Chico might have even been favored in that fight. And Floyd was already a champion, and, and he knocked Corrales down, I guess it was six times. Now, Corrales did have some weight issues, that should be pointed out. 
But Chico Cross at the time was viewed as one, you know, a huge puncher, uh, thrilling fighter, undefeated. Um, so you have to you have to measure that fight in its time as opposed to what happened after. And and I don't know that you can, you know, I mean, there have been massive full Floyd performances. What he did to Marquez, when you think of what Marquez did in four fights with Pacquiao, which is what he did to Hatton, you know, uh, yeah, amazing performances. But I think overall, you might have to take that Castillo uh, fight as, as Floyd performing at his very best. And not coincidentally, he did score knockdowns in that fight, and that's something that this Floyd we don't see from. Right. And we were talking about, you know, all-time rankings earlier. And, uh, you know, there was a time when, when boxing experts argued that uh, Manny Pacquiao, because of the resume he had at featherweight in the lower weight divisions, you know, with the wins over multiple Hall of Famers like Barrera, Morales, uh, Marquez, and, you know, leading up to the fourth fight, um, you know, that, that Manny would, would be ranked ahead of Floyd uh Overall, historically, even you know, even though at the time before they fought, people suspected Floyd would be the favorite in a fight and, and might be the, the more skilled boxer. Now that Floyd has beaten Manny, uh, does does he go down in history as ranked as having the better career, or does Manny's do Manny's accomplishments still sort of put him above that? No, I think you have to rate Floyd higher um, because he, he's gone undefeated. I mean, in terms of quality of opposition, they're they're pretty close. Yeah, I mean, Manny Pacquiao's fought, I believe. 21 world champs and Floyd's fought like 20. Um, but, you know, Manny's had a lot of close fights. I mean, Manny lost Eric Morales yeah. coming up. Manny, Manny lost to Floyd. Manny lost to Marquez, got by knockout. So, again, Floyd having all those fights without really being pushed that hard, uh, or at least being, you know, in very, very close fights, I, I think you have to, you know, it, it, to me it's a little bit, of, it, you can draw a little bit of an analogy with, with Federer and Nadal. Mm-hmm. You know, Nadal has a winning record against Federer, yet Federer is considered the greatest player of all time. So it's kind of interesting how people view, you know, such ratings. Uh, but I, I do, do think at this point, and not only because Mayweather beat Manny, but I think you have to, you have to rate Mayweather's career a little more accomplished. Steve, in closing here, along with the great work you do on Showtime, you're the, the face of Showbox for, for my money. Uh, love watching you there. You're also doing work with the PBC, Al Heyman's new movement. You're, you're scoring the fights. We, we hear your voice now and then. I'm constantly tweeting. We need to see more of your face on there, but that's a whole other topic. I wanted to ask you as, as <laughs> we're, you know. Yeah, well, you know, give the people what they want. Come on. It's, it's come on already. <laughs> but with the PBC, I mean, this is a major venture for Al Heyman, something that could potentially change the landmark of how the general person looks at boxing, how we consume it, all those things, coming back to free TV. We know you're, you're relatively on the inside of this, but how does this thing work as we move forward? I mean, what kind of potential does this really have to be, a whether it's its own league, to be sort of like you look at MMA, you think UFC. Are we going to look at boxing and think PBC? Can this thing make it there? Well, I think it's a ways from that because it's new, it's six months old. Uh, clearly, Al Heyman is trying to re, uh, reinvent boxing. I mean, there's a lot about it, and not just, you know, who we see in the ring and on what television platform, but also, you know, smaller, smaller, more subtle changes. You know, no round card girls, no ring announcer, emphasizing the fighters. Um, that's why Al is, is reclusive. That's why he doesn't do interviews, because he says, told me that point blank once. He says, because this should be about the fighters. They have a finite time in the spotlight. So a lot of what he's doing is really positive and could have a huge impact. It's too early to judge. I mean, we're going to ultimately judge by not only advertising revenue, but also by uh, demographics of the audience. Let's face it, boxing has the oldest demographic for an audience of any major sport. Wow. 
And that's bad. True. The advertisers don't want to, aren't interested in Steve Fargo at age 58. They're interested <laughs> in, you know, somebody who's 23. So Is that why we see hair coloring? Hair coloring yeah. ads always unboxing, always. Come on. Exactly, and I'm not telling you if I use it or not. <laughs> if you look at me, you can tell. But um, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of work to be done. It, it's really reestablishing the car culture. And certainly the steps are in place. The first first steps have been taken. And ultimately, I think it's way too early to judge whether it's going to have the desired impact and whether, like you say, we'll be thinking of boxing as PBC the way we think of MMA as UFC. I don't know. It's too early to tell. I mean, let's face it. HBO has some great fighters. You know, that, that's no secret. You know, they have Golovkin. They have Kovala. They have uh, a bunch of good fighters. Um, Canelo and, and Cotto is not a PBC fight. So it's not like there's domination at this point. Will that happen down the road? Is that one of his goals? I, I don't know. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to see because let's face it, as you guys know, that's all anybody's talking about. Well, when you and Al share some mimosas Saturday morning getting ready for the fight, I'm sure you guys can continue this conversation. <laughs> I'll try to get a raise out of him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Mayweather, Birdo, Saturday night, Showtime pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern, a very loaded undercard. It's been a pleasure, Steve. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Steve Farhood more now than I did, you know, a half hour ago, and I it was already pretty high on my list. Uh, that guy is that guy's uh, a class act and uh, fun to talk to, um, you know. And, and he was talking about PBCs there towards the end. Aside from Mayweather Birdo, uh, which is not a PBC event, it's a sh- it's a it's a Showtime pay per view event. Oh, but it's of course, all the uh, same Al Heyman, thing. Yeah, Come if, it's, on. if it's the Heyman family, if you have a son named Al, then uh, then you're all welcome in the PBC household. But what I was saying is PBC has a pr- insane stacked weekend of somewhat okay boxing uh, to watch on television. And and in the mix of that, there's also a top-ranked card in Vegas on Friday night. We're going to quickly sort of run through it just to give our listeners uh, an idea of what is on and when they can watch it, if they are masochistic enough to put themselves through that, or if they just want to catch a good scrap. Um, so starting uh, with PBC on Spike Friday night from Toronto, Adonis Stevenson defending his lineal light heavyweight championship against Tommy Carpency with Errol Spence fighting someone named Chum. No, I don't know his name uh, on the undercard. It's at nine o'clock on Spike. Well, anything on this card? Uh, I know Razor Ruddick is there. Well, um, uh, Tommy Carpency was able to get off work at the uh, the steel mill <laughs> in, in time for this title defense. No, um, speaking of masochistic, Zab Judah returns this week on a That's Thursday right. night card. We're not going to get into that. But uh, yeah, look, this is Adonis in, in another one of these. Uh, these title offenses. It's Errol Spence on the on the co-main event. You know the up and coming welterweight against Chris Van Eerden, I believe is how you say his his name. Chum. He's got a record of twenty four and one. Uh, Chum apparently. Um, you'd want him to fight a better guy. This is an interesting test, though. Uh, Chris is trained by Freddie Roach. It's, it's interesting. There's a lot of wackiness on the undercard with fifty one year old Razor Ruddick with your guy JoJo Dan hashtag Party at the Igloo on the undercard. <laughs> the, the ghost of Vivian Harris is back. I mean, this is a wild undercard from Rico Coliseum, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Adonis, and I got a chance to talk to him this week leading up to this fight. It's another one of those title defenses where it's not Kovalev, it's not Better Beef, it's not a, a live body. It's another one of these just stay busy where we where everyone rips it. 
it's interesting talking to Adonis because this guy could be a hero. He's one of boxing's biggest villains since he since he went with Al, since he went the money route, and he's got that sordid past. Yet he could really be a hero because he's really funny. It's just when you talk to him, you never really have the feeling if you if he's in on the joke or or what the deal is because. It's just so bizarre, some of his responses. You know, I asked him about the matchmaking and the criticism. He's like, look, you know, uh, I am Superman in the ring. Al Heyman is Superman outside the ring. And it's those type of responses that sort of get you angry. But he he so, so puts up such a hardcore defense when it comes to Kovalev because he's calling out Kovalev every, every time you talk to him, and he acts as if he has had no hand in that fight falling apart. Like, he's 100% in the fact that Kovalev's running, Kovalev's ditching me. And Rafe, his main pr- platform to stand on is how that, that uh, purse bid situation fell apart. And the Kovalev team, rather than take the chance of going to the first purse bid, and if Al Heyman's side had won that, Kovalev would have violated his HBO deal, they actually put pulled out of it recently. Do you think we don't give Kovalev enough maybe criticism for this? Because Adonis is almost brainwashing me over the phone. He's so all in on Kovalev doesn't want to fight me. You know, we'd fight him tomorrow. If anyone can make this fight happen, it's Al Heyman. I mean, put put us all in perspective here. Um, I mean, well, for starters, when that happened with the purse bid, when main events and Kovalev pulled out of that, most of the reaction I read blamed main events and Kovalev. So I, I feel like they got their lumps for that. Uh, and th- it's a situation where, you know, the, you understand that, that what, what they were going through as well. And they kind of got beat at their own game, uh, trying to force a, uh, you know, trying to force a mandatory and then, and then got outmaneuvered there in a way that was going to mess up Kovalev's deal at HBO. And so they had to pull out and look bad. Like that's that's you know that's that's the breaks. Uh, I think that both sides aren't serious about putting this together yet on terms that will work. Everybody wants it on their terms, and until some, for something changes and they can figure out what network it will be on and who get you know how to split all the money and do all that stuff, it, both sides are just posturing. Either way, Adonis fun to listen to. I don't think he gets enough credit in that regard because he comes off as such a you know buffoon at times. But just right. to close on that mm-hmm. Toronto card, by the way, fifty-one-year-old Razor Ruddock, like I mentioned, I love old guy fights more than anybody. Bring out the hashtag. This this is not in that category though. Come on, come on, Razor, come on, dude. You got you're better than this. Let's move forward. Razor Ruddock versus Razor Ramon. You wouldn't pay for the auction. Oh, the bad Scott guy. Scott in rough shape these days. Let's not even do. Let's not even talk about it. Um, also on Friday night, this one from Las Vegas, a top-ranked card on True TV at 10 p.m. Eastern. We have a rising uh, prospect. Was he fighting at 126 pounds? Is he a featherweight, Oscar Valdez? I thought it was 122. Maybe well, I'm off, though. No, I, it's, I mean, uh, that's what Avalos last fought. Anyway, Oscar Valdez against Chris Avalos. Uh, Jesse Hart fighting Aaron Pryor Jr. on the undercard. Uh, this, I think, is like a sneaky good main event. I mean, Valdez, we saw him fight on the Tim Bradley undercard just a couple months ago. And while looking good, he didn't look spectacular. And Avalos is known as a tough guy. He's sort of like a, a smaller poor man's Brandon Rios, right? Uh, and, and yeah, he got outclassed and beaten up by Carl Frampton, but I think Carl Frampton's a really talented fighter who can punch. Uh, and, you know, I think... And he's this, Chris Algeri's doppelganger. This too. is a... Yeah, he's like a smaller, stocky Algeri. Yeah, that's great. Um, but look, I think Valdez, Oscar Valdez, that's a big step up for him. Uh, and uh, although he was a you know, former Olympian, is a 
a touted prospect, I would be a little worried that he could get knocked off here if if, if Avalos didn't lose something uh, in that in that Frampton fight and comes out and and fights him tough. Valdez could be in a tough in for a tough match. Hey, look, Uncle Bob matches him tough. I mean, he's maybe he's not doing the matching making per se at times with with, with the great Carl Moretti and the other Bruce Trampler there, but they match tough on the top rank side. We saw already in a true TV card. Remember when uh, Glenn Tapia got knocked out by Michelle Soro? That, yeah. that was sort of a interesting situation. I like this fight. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting how it plays out. I'm looking. That's my sneaky good fight. That's the one that, that uh, out of all this bizarre mess of boxing this weekend leading up to um, Mayweather. Well, there's Berto, one more. There's well, one more. I know there's more, but I'm saying that's the that's that's the fight that I'm looking forward to. Not the one where I'm like I need to go take drugs to get through this. No, uh, you don't mean speaking that. Speaking of Saturday, PBC on NBC, 4 p.m. Eastern, broadcast television from Foxwoods in Connecticut. Our man Peter Kid Chocolate <laughs> Quillen fighting Magic Mike Zarafa. I Please probably me that's not his real, real name, but is since that... he's a male entertainer, I'm calling him Magic Mike, the Australian Chippendale. Just so you know, to... he, his team claims that that's not true, but I, I'm, it's true. Come no, on, I think I, I actually think they're right because from what I, I looked at his Twitter, it's probably just like a Halloween costume. He tweeted one time, and then everyone saw it and was like, oh, he's a male entertainer. But anyway, Magic Mike is coming in to lose to Peter Quillen, and then on the undercard, you get Cornelius Canine Bundridge back from the dead with a, some kind of championship belt. Arr, arr. The dog, he's back, yeah. right? Um, fighting Jamal Charlo, Lions only. Yeah, hashtag, look, that's okay. You're talking about sneaky fights of the weekend. People hate me, but the two, of the, but my two, <laughs> my, I have two, I have two choices for sneaky fights this weekend. This is one of them. I like the crap out of Canine Charlo here. It's interesting <laughs> to me because I wanted to see the Charlos in a real fight, and they've sort of had a bunch of bad luck lately. With, you know, when they were about to step into title fights, they've been canceled. Both each each brother had a bad luck situation. This is Jamal, and if you're going to separate the two, I always say one the puncher, one more the boxer. This is the guy who's more of the puncher, a little bit more exciting. Hey, they got the coolest weirdest most interesting um entrance song in all of boxing that that lions only uh, uh song that they play on the way in i'm pumped up for that song i'm ready for this fight i think charles is going to come over the top and win this belt i'm interested to see what happens because canine brings it he he lifts a lot of weights he comes in there to throw punches and and, and he's like no, he's in his like, like 43. Yeah, this, this is point. not going to be an exact quote, but I recall that after uh, Corey Spinks lost his belt to Canine Bundridge in, I think, their second fight, Spinks's wife was just like, if you lose to Bundridge, you got to re- you, you, it's time to retire. So, uh, you know, Jamal Charlo is, is his whole career in front of him. I hope he doesn't lose to Canine Bundridge. Look, Canine's a character, you know? I mean, his, his wife's gone rounds with Floyd, you know, verbal sparring there. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, moving on, Ray. Uh, yeah, Peter Quillen, dude, he's going to move the chains. I mean, who is Michael, Magic, Mike Zarafa. You know who Peter Quillen should have been fighting? He should have been fighting someone like on an Austin Trout level who fought Tuesday night on the on the PBC on FS1 kickoff against another Somebody no like Hoper. Joey Hernandez? Yeah, four four wins in a row against <laughs> No Hopers. This should have been like, it should be Peter Quillen, Austin Trout type level fights. I mean, Whatever. Trout probably doesn't, isn't necessarily looking to move up to middleweight after he gets knocked down by every, No, he actually know, called, out, yeah. called out our guy J-Rock, Julian I Williams, know, called I, well, him out they, hard, they've man. Been going, well, J-Rock's been like, you know, putting weird emojis on trout fights for for a while. I've been noting, you know, like calling him food and saying he's about to eat him up. So I, I understand the the animosity there. Let's move on to the the big the biggest card of the weekend. Um, 
Mayweather Birdo, Showtime pay-per-view from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. The televised card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. This, I think, the one sort of saving grace, if you want to call it that, or just something to not be depressed about with this fight, is the undercard. It's not bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like a B-plus, dude. This yeah, is a legit I mean, undercard. I like a lot of these fights, except for the one with our boy, Vonis. I mean, we are well, the Marty Brosians, but like, Vonis versus Ish Smith, I can't get down with. I can get down with this, and this is why people hate me. It's almost so bad it's good, which is kind of a good way to say about this whole card. It's the, this is the free Showtime fight that they're playing into, essentially, you know, the, it's on the kickoff countdown show to lead you into the pay-per-view. Rafe, I actually really like this because, look, this new version of Vonis, and by the way, isn't he back with Joe Goosen? I think I, I've seen I, that. I think I saw that on some social media, but I'll wait until he gets into the ring to confirm that. Look, the new Vonis brings it and tries to make action is fights. Is he the new Vonis because he has a Lions-only tattoo after losing to the Charlo? Oh, hey. And he's fighting Ishii, who people hate, who fights boring, yet Ishii had that undeserved title shot against Lara, and he sort of brought it and tried to fight. I mean, he's upper 30s now. He knows he's got to go for it. I think this will be a sleeper fun fight where everybody's going to get ready to hate watch it, and they're going to end up you know, liking I don't know. Look, I get caught up on certain boxing personalities. They just interest me, where it doesn't matter who they're fighting. Essentially, I'm somewhat excited. Vonis just, I just love watching this guy fight. It's just, it's a, we got to get him on the ropes one of these days. It's just a combination of a lot of things. Right. And, and Vonis, do something forward. significant in boxing so we can get you on the ropes. No, he don't, no, he's already on. We don't. He's he's already he's already at that level. Come on. All right, true. All right. So then the the, the possibly better undercard fights. Uh, our guy Johnny Gonzalez fighting Jonathan Okendo. I don't I don't I don't know. Okendo, Okendo very was well. the guy who lost to Abner Morris in, our, in Morris's oh, first comeback wow. fight. It so, was a boring right. decision because Morris was with Virgil. Right. You know, he, from yeah. Big Verge, right? All right. Well, then uh, I hope that Johnny gets him out of there quickly. Um, and uh, then some actually good fights. Uh, he has bad hair, but Okendo's got bad hair. Oh, good. Well, yeah, so does Abner. Um, Russ, no, no, no. I mean, no. He, he has exquisite. It's, his hair is so good, it's bad. Like, you just Dude, can't no, put that, that much effort That's in your a pound-for-pound pound, right. uh, uh, hairline. Uh, yeah, or, uh, well, this is right from there. someone who used to have that same haircut. Used um, to. Dude, I'm back on the Lemieux train. My barber came back from vacation a month in Albania. Johnny's back. Right, You're going to see this in Vegas, brah. You're derailing. You're derailing this highly focused podcast event. Um, next, um, Rocky Martinez, Orlando Salido two. Uh, I, I mean, wasn't that this is sort Love of like it. a no brainer? Not like like this. Their fight earlier this year is one of the candidates for fight of the year. Uh, Absolutely, you know. And Salido is smart. like a, a nonstop fight of the year guy. I mean, from the two fights with Juanma to last year's, you know, did did that win fight of the year with uh, Kokichim in any? It should have. It should have. Yeah, it, it, it was up there. I know that a lot of people. I know that the the BWAA went with uh, Matisse Molina, but because no one watches the good fights, you know. Well, you know. I, I anyway. Salido, you know, Siri. He's he, there's a lot to love there, and I actually right, this is smart. Well, mm. This was really smart matchmaking by then to take advantage of the Mexican Independence Day weekend and to make this the co-main because you're not maybe you're not really going to win a lot of extra pay-per-view buys per se by loading up the undercard, but they're giving you at the top two fifty-fifty fights, and this is the best of the group here. First fight, fight of the year, like you mentioned. I, I lean on Martinez maybe to go over the top, but Siri can surprise you. And that first fight was so good. It's Mexico-Puerto Rico. This is really smart. And I know Leonard's going to keep patting himself on the back, Barry Horowitz style, but this was really smart matchmaking on their on their gar- part. It's not Garcia-Matisse, but it's pretty good. Well, but no, it's not. I mean, there aren't that many fights to be made like Gar- Garcia-Matisse, and, and they, get ra- they get made even more rarely than we can identify them. But uh, this is a damn good fight, and it's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen... Seen 
Martinez get so many decisions that I didn't like that I'm exactly. really hoping that Salido can 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 uh, can win this one, even though he I lost thought Martinez was match. done. Yeah, you know, well, so after it surprised losing me. to Mikey Garcia, it seemed like he was kind of you know what what was left to do. But you stick around at like 130 pounds there. There's not much there. We see Nicholas Walters is moving up. That might be interesting down the line. Dude, you just stick around. People will put belts on your waist. That's boxing. It's my plan right? in life, dog. Uh, Broner's right, going one for his more title fight. Eight this weekend class. won't end. Bad dude Jack, no relation to Erica, fighting George oh, Groves oh, from oh oh, oh oh flat tire there. Wow, oh, please man, you don't you, you don't know. You know maybe next lifetime. Um, uh, Badu Jack fighting George Groves. Badu Jack won some kind of belt from Anthony Durrell earlier this year. George Groves got knocked out twice by Carl Frotch and then beat some guys that I didn't watch him fight. Um, good fight here, Rafe. Good fight. Seriously, good fight. Yo, for sure. I, I, I like Groves. I mean, I hope that he didn't, that Fro, Frotch didn't, like, you know, steal his soul and that he still got a little bit left because he's still young and he was, a, you know, he's a good fighter. Not, losing to Carl Frotch is not the, uh, not a, uh, a, a, a something that you have to end your career over, you know? And, he and can, I don't know he if you know, but one. that fight wasn't from 80,000 people. I don't know if you, if you ever heard that. <laughs> I mean, all. look, it, George Groves now is an international superstar by nature of sharing the ring with an international Absolute, superstar. Look, what I like about this fight is that we don't know if Badu Jack's for real. He's got the best name in boxing. He was knocked out a couple fights ago. Won the title against Anthony Durrell, but Durrell sort of sleepwalks through some of his fights. This is sort of the fight where you're like, oh, whoa, hey, Badu, we're gonna, we really are going to find out if you're for real. I mean, mm-hmm. he did box well in that Durrell fight was tough. He's going to have to be tough here because we know that Groves likes to fight the action style. I mean, he floored Frotch in that first fight. Very much looking forward to it. Isn't it weird, though, how, how the, the England fighters, the European fighters, are so PBC-friendly? Well, I think that they're, you know, they want to, they, they see where the money's at, you know, they're hey. like any other fighters. They want they want a little piece of that pie. I, hey, can't blame him. I'm looking for, I'm looking for a little piece I'm, of that pie. You know, I'm trying to name a child Al as soon as I can. <laughs> All right. Well, look, that's the, that's the undercard. It's pretty – there's a lot there. There's some good fights. I mean, it, it, something – you figure out with four fights like that, something something funny is going to happen and there should be at least one good fight, right? So I, yeah. I'm not really complaining there. Absolutely. And, and war vanis. Come on, dude. More vanis. You look, all right. Uh, we, we already coined the Martibrosian term. What, what more do we need? Oh, I love it. Um, well, the only thing we need now is to slide right into your predictions DM style here, Rafe. I want to hear who you're picking this weekend, brah. Starting at the top, May Birdo. Well, surprisingly, I am going to choose Floyd Mayweather to win uh, this fight against Andre Birdo and go 49-0. and um, I think, look, I, we were asking Steve Farhood earlier – if there's something Berto can do to to you know to to copy Maidana or or Mosley as something that has had set success against Floyd in the past, I think that the the thing that Berto might have been able to do five years ago is he had a little burst, he had a little explosion, his hand speed was a little quicker than it appears in, in recent than it has appeared in, in in recent fights, where I think he could have sort of pounced on Floyd at a, a, a few times and made him adjust to that sort of the way that he could close distance fast. He could sort of leap forward and land a shot. I don't see that in Birdo anymore. So I think he's just going to get walked down and made to look silly and sad. And he might, you know, he might give a good, another one of those really emotional Andre Birdo speeches at the end where you're like, damn, I like this guy, but he just got beat up. 
But um, will Floyd get the KO? That's what the people want to know, Rafe. I think he could. I think that he could, and I think that he won't. I think. Does it matter though? Does it matter if he does for for wherever he's going for the fiftieth, or what? Does it? Does anything no, matter here? Doesn't Nothing matter matters. at all. Doesn't matter okay. at all. But I I think that he could. I think that he would be able to hit Berto cleanly enough to 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 knock him down and possibly stop him. Um, but I also think that Floyd has a weird thing, and, and Steve mentioned this earlier when we talked to him about like how Berto, you know, Berto and Floyd are sort of like original OG members of the Al Heyman crew. Like oh, they're yeah. they're founding members of this family. And I think Floyd will certainly win and look Forrest. good, but he uh he I think he also might want to make his his boy look a little bit good. He might want to carry him a little bit. Oh, and then not. afterwards improprop- and then, and then afterwards he, so he can come out and say, "See, even this guy who you said was trash and didn't belong in the ring with me did better than Manny Pacquiao." So he's pulling a Maidana one. He's pulling a Maidana one with the express purpose of of further, you of know, doing a of, solid, of making Manny look bad even further. You know, it's like this is more more payback against Manny for 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 the, the years of of sort of abuse that Floyd took from fans and and media and critics or whatever. All the haters so, out there. If um, boxing was the mafia, and this correlation is probably not that far off, <laughs> then you're doing a solid to one of the old G's in Berto, like you mentioned, who was the, one of the built the foundation of this of what has become the PBC. You say, look, I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna pull a cranberry's hair, let it linger a little zombie, and then, and then sort of get you out of there, but That's make you, but make you look good doing gonna it, dude, make so him that, look good, so that you get another big fight. That too, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe set him up wow. for something, and and see, I I don't think Berto has anything left. I mean, his fight with Josecito Lopez earlier this year was like like the last minutes of a demolition yeah, derby look. where like two cars <laughs> with like half an engine and no wheels just sort of like run like like bumping into each other and one until one of them fell down they both looked <laughs> haggard uh, here's the thing Rafe let me let me t- let me take the wheel here Every, the job of 24/7 or all access through the years has been to give hope to the b-side to the no hoper you know especially in the more wide of, of these pay-per-views you know Hat- okay Mayweather Hatton wasn't that far by the way that was a competitive that was supposed to be a competitive fight but that really built it up where like, you know, you came out of watching that 24-7, like, man, I love Ricky Hatton. Maybe he really does have a chance. The one that came the closest, that was the most obscure and ridiculous, the best job HBO 24-7 might have ever done was that Baldemir fight. Mm-hmm. I came out of that Baldemir 24-7 going, you know what? He is big, Rafe. He did just knock out Gotti. He does make feather dusters for a living. This guy might have a chance. So that's what those shows are meant to do, to get you pumped up, to give you, you know, to, to force you into buying it. When I'm watching this pre-fight stuff, I'm trying to talk myself into Berto, and it's almost working. I'm like, well, you know, he's still athletic. He may be 31 and kind of shot, but he's still got good hand speed. He's still he, no, got some he doesn't. pop. The, the, no, the, you're right. He, does so have, what I did, he might have some pop, but he doesn't have the hand speed. Do you know what was the sobering uh, wake-up call for this? Watched the Hosecito and the Steve Upshur Chambers fight oh, before the that. Ch- the two the fights Chambers with Virgil. Fight like, oh. And the reason why is because all excess showed Virgil Hunter like – Talking about how Berto in the past was lazy and he didn't do this these certain parts of, of technique and he didn't do all this stuff. He didn't work hard, blah, blah, blah. And now he's focused. And then I go back and watch those fights and he's not only getting tagged like crazy. He was down on the cards against Josecito. He doesn't cut off the ring. So to have any hope that he's going to pull a Maidana here is completely off guard. And by the way, we're not saying to win the fight. We're just saying to be competitive. He's not physically taxing enough and to be able to cut off the ring to be in Floyd's face. He, even though he committed more to the jab 
jab in his last two fights. He goes away from the jab as soon as there's contact and you start throwing. He never really uses the left hand to do anything but paw. It's just a right hand, and he doesn't have as explosive a quick trig fi- trigger fiber as even a 38-year-old Mosley did. I came out of watching those two fights going, he has no chance to be even remotely competitive, which might actually justify these 40-to-1 odds. Holy so cow. Then, so then the question is, will Floyd Mayweather get a knockout? My official pick has been Floyd by knockout because, you know, Berto just walks into things, and if he tries really hard to win, obviously, it's going to increase the, the pro- opportunity of a knockout for Floyd to sit down on those counter right hands. My prediction is a Floyd knockout, but I would not be surprised if Floyd did a complete double cross and just went the distance in a sparring match. But my official pick is Floyd by KO. All right. Well, so we're basically on the same page there, depending on how much uh, you believe in the doing a solid theory of boxing. Uh, Hashtag uh, conspiracy theory. I love it. That's what we're here for. Uh, You want to run through a couple, a few really quick predictions on the other main fights? Martinez surprised me in that first fight, flooring Salido twice. He's actually 32, so Martinez isn't young. Two years younger than Salido, but he proved he's the much fresher fighter. I do think there's going to be a limit to how many action fights Salido can be in, and that one with Turd Sack, Koki Jim. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Turd, you for that. Turd Sack, that's amazing. Um, that one that took a lot out of him. The guy, I mean, there's like seven knockdowns in that fight. I think Martinez wins another close but action decision, a little bit uh, more convincing, but still close than the last one. Jack Groves, I got, I got our guy George Groves by knockout. I respect wow. Badu Jack, but I think J- Groves is going to go for it, and I think he's going to find that spot on the chin that knocks people out. There you go. Well, I mean, he he found it. He almost found it against an international superstar. Maybe if we knock him down one peg to uh, to Badu Jack, he'll get there. Um, Are you the same? Where do you fall in those two fights? Uh, you know, I, I really want Salido to win. I think that it's that that Martinez is more likely to win. I, I do think that Salido. I mean, he goes down almost every time he gets hit clean. Now, I mean, it's like he's like one of those uh, one of those inflatable clown things where you just knock him down, they pop right back up. So he's very <laughs> resilient and he keeps coming. But those knockdowns hurt on the scorecard so if he can't hurt martinez enough to stop him i think that it's a smart pick to go martinez with a decision um are you picking the, the male stripper to be quillen by any chance I, I am i would like to um i am i am excited that this weekend we will see on back-to-back days or no on the same day because of because of the way those cards are stacked peter quillen's uh awful smiley face shoulder tattoo and george groves's awful hello kitty tattoos oh, uh, the worst and the, the same worst. night that's that's a big deal for me um they i think fight that each other. i think that magic mike will be uh, knocked out by Peter Quillen. F- finally, Quillen will get a knockout against someone he's supposed to knock out. Um, and I think that, uh, what, Adonis Stevenson will knock out Tommy Carpency. Absolutely. All the favorites, I think, I'm, are going to win on these PBC fights. I think, Although I think Charlo's going to win the title. And uh, the most important fight of the weekend, I got your guy Vanus by stoppage, dude. Well, I, I hadn't even thought of that, but um, I would love to see that. So, Vanus, win by stoppage, and then we'll talk to you on the ropes. Absolutely. Is that's that it. it, baby? Is that, that it? That's it. Man. We, li- we live in. A huge, huge episode. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us, listening to the great interview with, uh, with Steve Farhood. Not great because of us, great because of Steve Farhood. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you, uh, the Grantland Network, David Jacoby, Jim Cunningham, who's sitting in for Joseph Fuentes this week, uh, and uh, everyone for listening. You know, Go on to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, do all those things. Hope you catch up on this insane stacked week of boxing and hope that we helped you uh, make sense of it a little bit. Brian, thank you very much. Absolutely. Go for it. May Bird, I'll be there. Let's do it. 
Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts. <laughs>